overwhelming just getting to, to sit in the presence and sit with my son and my daughter and just worship. And I feel so privileged to get to hang out with you guys this morning and come into a thing that God's doing. Wow. Who was here last Sunday? You got a chance to kind of catch the vision that God's been imparting and releasing here. Um, we started a new series called Equip, Equipped to Release. Everybody say, today I'm getting equipped. Today I'm getting equipped. He wants us to get equipped to release something inside of us. And last Sunday, the Lord spoke to me and said, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know that there are three parts to the Godhead, the Father, Son, everybody say the Holy Spirit. There are three parts to the, Holy, to, to the, to the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot of times in teaching series is you'll have the, this buildup, this ramp, and then, and then there's, there's a conversation or a, a, a gathering to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit as the final finale, right? The Lord spoke to me and said, no, no, do that first. I want you to do that first here because there's things that we need to understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gateway. It's not a destination. So we're coming into something so that we can be released out of all of it. So it's not like uh, we stop here. It's a gate into everything else that God wants to do. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to flow through us. So we give him permission to do so. Last Sunday we prayed for that. It was very powerful, very honoring to, to, to get to share the word of the Lord. And um, fun, a fun time to, to do this. And I felt like that had to happen to get to this, this message, which is finding our place. Finding our place. How many people here, you've, you've walked through seasons of your life. And you've been, you've said this to yourself, I don't know what the heck is going on and I don't know where I'm at right now. Anyone in here? You, you just found yourself in a season and you're like, dude, I don't know where I'm at right now and I don't know how to get out of this thing, but this is very confusing and very frustrating and we can find ourselves in these places. And so I think part of it is, first of all, it's hearing from God. So this morning when we gathered here together with our team, uh, the Lord's been teaching us really that we have full access to God. So we can pray and we can receive from him. We can hear from him. And then we can uh, uh, release that um, over ourselves and over the community. It's very powerful when we start to walk in this thing called the spirit. Because he starts to show us what he's doing. It's not just coming together to worship, sing some songs, hear a person speak, go home. It's it's bigger than that. It's, It's we come together because actually in the body of Christ... This is the place where everything begins. We learn our gifting. We discover the family. We discover our passions. We discover what we're good at. We discover people that love us. We find people that will fight for us. We, we encounter stuff that no one else would, would care about. But then we come into something called the kingdom. And then inside the kingdom is where we get a grid. It's where it all happens. I didn't know this. When I was young, when I was like, you know, in my, in my late teens, I was 19, walked into a church and I, I heard the Lord and I gave my life to Jesus and I, and I didn't have a grid for anything. It was just coming to service and trying to orient something that felt like I was like tossed into an ocean. You ever felt like that before? <laughs> You're just like flailing. You're like, I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know what's going on. But yes, the water is real. Yes, the ocean is real. You know, it's like God was real. But where do I go now? How do I orient how do I get to where I'm going? 
today is going to release people and it's going to set some people free and it's going to break confusion off of your life. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen today. It's going to be very powerful what God's going to do today. What I shared last Sunday was this right here, the ministry trellis. The trellis was something God's just given us over the past five years. I didn't take a Bible class and get this. This was imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. God's given it to us. We have sat with him. We have wrestled with him. We've heard from him. We've worshiped with him. We've worshiped together. We've fasted together. We've prayed together. We've cried together. We've all this stuff together. And in the journey, God's shown us something that is so radical. I mean, this right here to me, I know you can see these block letters and you're like, what is this some kind of arts and crafts project gone crazy? <laughs> what is this thing? And I explained it last Sunday a little bit, so I'll let you guys go back online and listen to that, that is the grid that we, but, but I'll just say quickly, IFMS, identity, family, mission, sacrifice. These are belief systems. These are value systems. These are things to orient in a community through. We get to know our identity, which is all over the scripture. There are hundreds of statements in the word of God about your life that you get to appropriate, which means you get to pull them in when you are covered by the blood of Jesus. When you receive him into your life, you become a part of the family, F for family. Not because you were born from that person, but because you're a part of the same bloodline in Christ. Family always flows through the blood. So in Christ Jesus, his blood flowed over every person, covering, washing us, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We are part of the same family because of the bloodline of Christ. The M is mission. It's the ministry, the mission of Jesus. It's what he came to do. And when he released the mantle onto his 12 disciples, it's what they carried, what they taught, what they imparted, and how the church was built in the book of Acts. The mission. Guess what? Nothing has changed. We think things have changed. We think that because we're 2,000 years from the epicenter of the book of Acts, that somehow things have changed. Nothing changed. We are living in the age of the Spirit. We're wrapped up and caught up in it, and we know that because the book of Revelation, the book end of the book, tells us things about what's going to happen. And so we're caught up right in the middle of the ministry of Jesus, representing him here. He lives in me. His presence dwells in us, those who call Christ Jesus Lord. The Spirit of Christ Jesus lives inside of you. There is no separation and there is no condemnation for those who call Christ Jesus Lord. None. You have full access to him. You have full access to him every second of the life and the time that God's gifted you with on planet earth. You never have to be separated from him. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how confusing it feels right now. I don't care how disoriented you feel right now. You can recalibrate in a second by appropriating and telling your mind that your spirit is joined to the Holy Spirit and you let your spirit lead your mind into the kingdom in that moment. And that's, the, that's a key for somebody in here right now. Because as we were praying in here, we were, 
worshiping, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to say I got a word for somebody that someone came here very discouraged and very depressed. But you have hope in Christ Jesus. That's for someone in here. I don't care how bad the situation might feel right now. You are not alone. You were never alone. The Father has always been with you. He will always stand with you. He loves you. He is fighting ahead of you. The battle's already been defeated on your behalf. You are the victor because Christ has fought ahead of you. You're not the loser. You're the winner. You're not the tail. You're the head. You have victory in Christ Jesus. So if depression is trying to get you when you walk in this room, just tell it to get out right now in the name of Jesus because it doesn't have anything to stick to because you have been freed by the blood of Christ Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is you've been saved, you've been healed, you've been delivered. It's the word sozo. Say the word sozo with me. When you see the word saved in the Greek, it's the word sozo. It means saved, healed, delivered. Praise the Lord. So saved Again, we hear words in Greek, and, and, and we, can, we, could have just as in, we could have interpreted the word saved or the word sozo. Delivered. It could have been the word healed. It could have been the word saved. That word sozo means all those things. So again, we're, 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 we're trusting that the interpreters of Scripture, the ones that translated from Greek into English, did it the right way. I'm just saying. That's why I study Greek. Every day. I love Greek. Because <laughs> I don't want to put my hope and trust in, a, in an interpreter. Come on. I'm just saying. I mean, it's okay to do that. But I mean, I'm, that's where I live. So you guys can, when I teach, I take teaching very, very, very serious. I've given the last 12 years of my life to teach the word of God. And to not let anything blend into it. Amen. Humanism, atheism, agnosticism, Buddhism. New Age, all, is, that stuff doesn't get to come into this because we're saying, can the Word of God anchor to truth by His Spirit, by His presence? We'll talk about this more in a second. The, the, the mission, so saved, healed, delivered. Discipled, equipped, and empowered, and sent. Discipled, equipped, empowered, and sent. Jesus does these seven things. We'll talk about this more as we go. But then the word sacrifice, say the word sacrifice. sacrifice. This is where we're going today. I want to, I'm going to take us in. We've been talking about identity, family, mission a lot. When, when I say the word sacrifice, I, I, I can see it on people's faces. They're like, oh, dear God, here we go. He's going he's gonna to ask for money, right? Let me, just, let me just clear you real quick. We're not going there in the money direction today, I promise you. That's not where we're going. But, what, but it's going to be a lot more costly than money. Yeah. What we're going to say is going to cost a lot more than what you can make working at a job, nine to five. And this is what God is calling us to, okay? You guys okay? The A, B, C, D, E. This is is how God's showing us to gather together. How to spend our time in community. So the E will start down here. uh, The encountering Jesus. I mean, I look, I encountered Jesus. When I encountered him, I got completely crazy rocked by his love. And I gave my life to him. I was 19 years old when I really got a hold of it. And since then, I've been running with him. That was 1997. How long has that been? 2007. 20 years? 20, 20, what? 23 years. Dang, that's old. All right. 23 years. I encountered E. The D is discipleship group. So God's saying, when you encounter my presence... The E, me and you, me and Jesus hanging out. 
And then you get around people and then the love of Christ spills out of your heart onto them. And the point here was that if I don't spend time with Jesus here, then when I get around other people, I, instead of pouring the love of Christ, I vent on you and I spill slime on you. And community cannot be built in this place ever. We cannot build community unless we encounter Christ Jesus and he, we come around people to edify them, to love them, to encourage them, to build them up, to heal them, to see them set free. Why? Because that's the ministry of Jesus. And when he is our first thought, when he comes in, that's what happens here. And we cannot build, okay, this is the D. C group is community groups, life groups, five to 14 people, multiple families coming together to do life. So you have two to four people, you have five to 14 people here uh, where you're coming together to do life. Then you have the B group, believers becoming, what is it? Believers belonging and becoming groups. So these are like more activation workshops. We love workshops here. We're all about them here. We do them. Uh, Pastor Ken really is doing this really well right now. Uh, he's, he is doing the B group. That's really a gift on his life is equipping and activating believers into the family. Specific things like healing workshops, identity workshops, deliverance workshops. These are things that, that are going to happen in the B group. Then the A group is where multiple groups, multiple life groups, multiple churches come together to worship as one body. Okay, it's the A group. As we do that, again, I said this, that the trellis will never save you. I promise you, the trellis cannot save. The trellis only creates a structure for the seed that was planted in you, the incorruptible seed of Christ, to grow up a healthy structure. Okay? So this is all important stuff. That's why I'll be talking about this because I want to drill this in. Like, I I want this thing to just be imprinted on us that what this house is going after is good and this is how we're going to do it. We're, we're yanking confusion out of the equation in this house. We want clarity. We want everyone to know what we're building, what we're going after. Amen? Okay, here we go. Second Timothy chapter 1, last part of verse 8 and 9. And I added that because if you go to verse 9, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, it says he has saved us. But I'm like, hold on a second. The theologians put the the verse breaks in there. So I'm going to actually go back a few words and have the power of God in there. Because the power of God that saves us. Amen? The power of God, period. He has saved us. Sozo. That's the word sozo. That could be saved, healed, or delivered. And he has called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Say purpose and grace. Purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You know what that means? That means that, that you had nothing to do with it. You, you didn't make yourself come into the planet. You didn't, you didn't birth yourself. God, God saw it and did something from the foundation of the earth. And I, I, I got crazy thoughts on this, man. I can, we could talk for hours about the stuff. I've been just meditating on, on, this, on this verse right here. That when God said, let there be light. When God spoke the word and I created man and saw that it was very good. I remember Genesis chapter was yeah. three. Very good. In that very word was, in, I just think, encoded in the word and, and God created man. Encoded in his word was the history of mankind. That God ordained and spoke it in that, in that breath. And every cell that would come and would be what came into Adam that would come through all of the history. God wastes nothing. 
Everything he does is perfectly fashioned and formed because he knows what he's doing. So we go to this verse to kind of build some text because what I'm trying to get to today is that, uh, is that, is that God wants you and he wants me to find our place. He, he wants us to find our place. So in this verse right here, uh, we can know that we're saved. We can know that we prayed a prayer to receive Jesus. But a lot of us as believers don't know that we've been called with a purpose. Yes, amen. Like we know I've been saved, but I, dude, I, I've, I've tried to find my place. And I can't find my place because it's been this weird thing. But how many of us know that if God, he, not, he, not, he, he didn't just save you, but he has called you according to his purpose. Yes. So in the same, is the, faith, the same faith that it takes for you to receive salvation, it's that God's already purposed and called you into something. Whether you receive it and believe it or not, it's, it's in there. It's already a part of the heart of God. And, and I was thinking about this because there's so much confusion on my place and where I fit and how I work. I mean, I think of like teenagers today, right? I mean, I mean even adults, it's like very confusing because we can, we, can, we, can, we can do things and then we end up just like not fully finding the place, the, the place of perfect peace in the Lord. And, and, and a lot of it happens, it's very practical, and I'll just, I'll build this, but I want to share kind of a story that when, when I was, when I found Jesus, when I was 19, my grandmother, I've shared this, she, she was there, and she was kind of like discipling me, and, and then a pastor who's, who's out there in Oklahoma City, where I was, I was staying at the time, began to disciple me, and they brought me in, and they got me around the community, and they were asking me a question, they said, hey, Jesse, do anything, we don't care what you do. Just, just jump in and, and, and start serving and start helping. And I play the guitar, I sing, so I'm a, I'm a you know, musician. So I started playing you know, guitar and singing and worshiping. And in the context of that one little thing, all of a sudden I started to find other things. I'm, I'm communicating, right? We're scheduling things. Uh, we're talking about Jesus. Um, things are happening in the context of just diving in. Then I did that for about four or five years, went to Bible college, which was wild over here at Bethany, here in Scotts Valley, with my wife, Amber. Amber, will you stand up, please? I mean, seriously. I got got hurt. I win. The most amazing woman in the world. I mean, talk about a gift from God. When you find the woman that God's like called you to do life with it changes everything so i started this journey we came out here we started serving together and did stuff together then we 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 served on on staff at a church for years and then we started a church here about five years ago here at the point and the vision the, the vision was god is it real is everything that you say in here real like we just want to experience your love and your power like, we want to see you do the things that you do here. Would you do it again? I mean, it was like a big question mark. We did. We, we were just, we see it in scripture. We believe it by faith, but we hadn't seen it yet. So God starts to get me in the mix and I start getting involved and I start doing things. We start changing, you know, doing, you know, all kinds of projects here in this house. And even before this, and God began to show me my gifting because the gifting is exposed in the body around people. If you want to know what your gift is in life, ask the people closest to you. (laughs) Because they know you. 
Ask your wife or your husband, hey, what do you see are my spiritual gifts? A lot of us want to just say, I'm, a, I'm an apostle or I'm a, I'm a prophet, right? And start doing things. I'm just saying, right? Because we're, we're hungry, we're eager, we're zealous to, to, to find our place. And I feel like that's part of the challenge in this whole thing of discovering our place is that, is that the first part is that we, we don't know how to connect, really connect to the Father to hear him in, in the moments. And then, and then the second part is that we're not asking the people around us or we're not even in community to know. And so it's hard to discover what it is if we're not in the community, in the body, and then we're submitting ourselves and saying, we're in here, whatever my gifts are, I submit them to you, Jesus. And then the, and then the part of hearing the voice of God in the moments where things become activated. You know, Isaiah, as you were sharing that, it's like moments are activated uh, in the Lord. But I love how it's, it's this, this picture, uh, go back to that verse for me, that, um, that he's called us to a holy life. This is holy. This idea that he is holy, he is holy. And God wants us to get this thing. And he's been teaching me how to steward my gift. And I'm just going to share a couple, just a couple things to do what we do well. Because I believe that when we discover our giftings and we lean into them and we steward them and we make them top priority through being disciplined, God will begin to elevate the gift and the gift will be a gift and a blessing. Things like stewarding my mind, stewarding my thoughts. Yeah. Guarding what I watch, guarding what I do, guarding what, what I, you know, the things that I, I listen to, things that I allow into my mind. Being very disciplined to allow God to cultivate the gift that he's put inside of me. So as, as a teacher of the word, it's like when I teach the word, I want it to be simple. I don't want it to be complicated. Like if you leave here and you're super confused, I didn't do my job. So how do we teach highly complex things in a way that's very simple to appropriate them? That's, I'm just saying it's, that's how we know it's a gift. Is when we walk away from here built up and lifted and God's doing something in me. Faith is increasing. Knowledge of the word is increasing. And now I'm like, I feel like I get it when I didn't get it before. That's how you, you can know that a person is gifted in teaching. Or, or, or a person, like for me, part of my gifting is I'm a pioneer. I like to build things. I, I've always been, I, I thrive in building things. I thrive in just taking no, nothing and then finding authors in the scrap heaps and piles and all that, and then building things, you know? That's part of my gifting. I don't, it's, it's always, since I was a child, it's always been there. When we're bored, I would never, I've never been bored a day in my life. Because yeah. everything was a playground to me. Everything was an opportunity to me. Everything. Since I was a little baby, a little, little kid. I just got the chills when I said that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you, you, we, it's like God done, he did something to me when I was a child that never left me. It's always still there. And so there's this thing that God's trying to show us that in the scripture, if we can understand that first of all, that we have infinite value. Part of the, the identity stuff is discovering that you have worth. This is the first key to this whole thing is that you are infinitely valuable. You can know how valuable a house is based on how much someone pays for it. That's the value of the house. So if, if I can say that my house is worth $10 million, but if I can only get 125000 for it on the market, that's all it's worth. 
See, Jesus chose to send his son, Jesus Christ, the Father chose to send Jesus, to live and to live a perfect life and to walk this thing out, to model this thing. But the final stamp on the thing was he was going to give his life because people, humanity, were worth it. He wanted to show us our value. That we were worth the price of the Son of God laying his life down. And so when, when we start to catch this, we're like, oh my, oh my gosh, I'm valued, I am loved. And this takes faith to walk away from the lies in our minds that say, you're worthless, you're pitiful, you deserve judgment, you deserve what you've got, right? That's what this stuff in the right, that's what it does in our minds. And we're, and we're choosing not to partner with this stuff and instead to partner with the word of God, what he says about us, which forms our identity. And then we practice that in the family. But these are the things that God's been showing me. He's been teaching me to look in the mirror and to, and to, and to see that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. And this is crazy. Yeah. Like, look in the mirror and declare over yourself, <laughs> even if you don't believe it yet. It's even funnier when you declare it and you don't believe it, even though it says it in the Word of God. It's hilarious because the Word says it and you don't believe it, but you speak it out. Listen, and this is going to kind of trip you guys up some, but the enemy is getting booted out of your life when you do that. The lies from the pit of hell are being arrested by the power of the king when you speak truth over the lies that we believed. This is it. This is a part of it. So I walk up to the mirror and I say, you're a temple of the living God. You're a royal priest at a holy nation. You are loved. You are seen. You are bought with a price. We speak the the truths out. And then when I'm like, I don't even believe that's true. God's like, you better start preaching out more over yourself. Make that the new script in your mind. Because he wants us to get this. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you'll scroll to that verse, it it says this. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. He's trying to awaken your spirit right now. When we read this with unveiled faces, there's no separation. There is no separation between you and and him because of what happened at the cross. There is no veil requirement anymore. There was a veil requirement. But because of what Christ has done for you and for me, the veil has been torn, we talked about a few weeks ago. And when the veil was ripped in half, the presence of God left the building. It ushered out. It went out and it did just right in your face. Boom. We are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's very powerful when we catch these things. He's transforming us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace, say the word grace, Grace. that you have been saved through faith. So grace, God's grace, and I'm going to define this stuff today. We're going to have some like a little theology workshop here, okay? This is very important to understand this stuff. So by grace, you have been saved. You have been sozoed. You've been saved, healed, delivered. That's the Greek word. Through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. You didn't save, heal, or deliver yourself by faith in yourself. Come on. You guys catch this? But you were saved, healed, and delivered through faith in someone who had authority 
to set you free. His name is Jesus Christ. It is the gift of God. It's a free gift, not by works. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't do anything to get this so that no one can boast. Jesse can't boast that you got saved. I celebrate that you got saved. Jesus will boast at your salvation. Jesus will speak life. I mean, he's the one. It was by him and through him and for him. It says in verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. That word handiwork is the word poema, which means poem. You are his divine masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were created in Christ Jesus. So we talk about works. We talk about gifts. Nothing is separated from Christ Jesus. Why? You were created in. Say the word in. This is where everything begins. And a lot of us have tried to discover our giftings, our purpose, our talents, our callings on our own over here. And we're praying, we're fasting, we're doing all these things, trying to get God to to tell us, why am I so confused? Why am I caught up in this whole mess? Why can't I, God, you have my heart. I pray prayer. Remember that prayer I prayed? And God's like, dude, you can't do it apart from me. You can't do it apart from my people. Works, all that stuff. We are God's handiwork, his poem, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what this means is that he created us in advance to fill a need that would arise in your generation, in your time, in my time. He knew, because God knows everything, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he knows everything there is to know. The beginning from the end, God stands outside of time and space and he sees the whole scroll laid out. Everything. There is no surprises to God ever. He knew that in 2020, February 2nd, 2020, we would be here. And God's stirring my heart as a leader to activate the body to understand that there is a calling in Christ Jesus that he wants us to come into. And when we kind of come into this, the, the, the revelation that God knows what he's doing, then we can start to appropriate the truth of God's word in the now, right now, in this moment. Yeah. It's interesting because we always have choices. And I, I was thinking about a guy named David Livingston. You guys know who that is? Ever heard that name before? Yeah. Yes. One of the most important missionaries to Africa who's ever lived. He's, he's kind of coined as the person that pioneered Africa. And, and he carried massive faith for Africa. And, and he was a doctor and he goes out there and he, he, he pioneers this mission. And his brother, this is interesting, his brother decides to be a, a, a doctor also. And, and there's records that his brother considered to be a missionary with uh, David Livingston, but he decided that he wanted to leave a, an actual legacy. And so he decided to be a doctor, even though he had been, he had been called to, be, to lead the church, he decided to not do it, and instead let his brother do it. And what's, what's fascinating to me is that's all we know about his brother. That's the only part of the story we know about him is that he chose to not partner with the work of God alongside his brother. David has like paragraphs on Wikipedia. I mean, there's tons on this guy. 
But his brother chose to just be, I mean, and again, if you know me, you know that I'm all about the marketplace and the business sector, and I preach on this all the time. And that's wonderful. In, but there's something that God's doing that he's, he's imparting something inside the body of Christ right now. And so as much as we're in the marketplace, there's also a call in the body of Christ. Right. Like we can't separate. It's like we have the marketplace, but there's an activation that happens in the bride. Ephesians 4.11. Uh, uh, he's given the fivefold gifts of the church to equip the saints for the works of service. So we have to have the body of Christ gathering, and then we have to have the outreach in the marketplace and the family and all the other parts. But as I was catching this, it just kind of stunned me. And it caught me off guard when I saw that. I'm like, because it hit home. Because I've said those same things. Because before I came into my calling, I would say things all the time to the Lord. Like, Lord, I just want to make money. This is, I'm just confessing me. This is me. I don't want to give my life to the church. I'm a fifth generation pastor. And I know that pastors don't make money. Pastors are on park. So I was cursing myself. Okay? I was cursing myself based on my, the experience of my own family. And it almost kept me from coming in. Into my gifting. Into my flow. Into my calling. Into my offering. I almost didn't do this. Because I felt like this, this wasn't worthy of my time. And God began to convict me. It was like 12 years ago. And teach me and bring me in slowly. In love and honor and care. Discipling me with brothers and sisters in the faith. Coming alongside. Why? Because what I have to offer this, this generation needs. And the same is true for everyone out here. If you don't step into the calling that God has, the place that God has for you, then there's a void that only you can fill with your gifting. Amen? Wow. Okay. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 12. So what I want to do is just quickly go into the sacrifice value because this is a really interesting thing that God is showing me right now. Uh, it goes like this. Romans 12, verse 1 and two through 3. I'll just start there. It says, therefore, say the word therefore. therefore. All right. You've heard me say this probably a hundred times. If you ever see the word therefore, you ask the question, therefore. what's it there for? If you read Romans chapter 1 all the way through 11, you understand that God releases his divine favor, his plan, his purpose through the body of Christ. A perfect exposition of salvation is released in these previous 11 verse, uh, chapters. Amen. So then he says, because of all that stuff I just said, that salvation is accept, acceptable, that your spirit has been, you know, is, is, is not the flesh. There's, and he lays this plan of salvation out. I'm going to tell you this thing. And he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Amen. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's something here that if we don't understand that there's a sacrifice, here we go, you guys catch this. There's a sacrifice that happens before the mind is renewed fully. I want us to catch this. There's a sacrifice that happens in our lives before the mind is renewed, before the transformation of the mind occurs. There's something in you that God's asking you to lay down. And when you lay it down, 
This is when you come into a place of faith and trust and obedience, asking the question, God, what is, what is it that you want? Instead of the question that you had previously asked, what would make the most sense for me? See, in the flesh, we're asking the question, what makes the most sense to me, to my finances, to my family, versus, God, what do you want me to do? What's your perfect, pleasing will? Until we lay our lives fully down, right, we come back to that, then the mind is still wrestling from a place of best of interest. So once you lay your life down, and you're transformed by the ring of your mind, then, say the word then. Amen. This is a fight, this is deliverance. Then you will be able to test. Say the word test. Yes. A test is something that's put in front of you. Amen. See, we don't like to test. No one likes to test. The test will come into your life and it shows up and it actually frustrates you. The trust is meant to frustrate the old system. It tests what's actually inside of you. Without the test, we don't know if this thing even works. If there's no test, then how, how do I know that all this stuff I've been believing actually works in the real world? Impossible to know without the test. Then you will be able to test. And when you test it, you're going to approve. You're going to know without a shadow of a doubt. How many people want to know? You're like, I just want to know. The test, when you get through that test, you know that you know that you know. I can stand up here and tell you that I know that I know that I know that I'm a church-planting, pioneer, Holy Ghost-filled preacher of the gospel. There is no question in my mind. I know that for a fact because I've tested it. It's been tested in me. I've been through trials that, that, that I wouldn't wish on anyone to, to test and approve the call of God on my life. When you go through the trial, you either are like, oh, my God, this is impossible. How do I do this? But I'm still in. Versus, this tests the gifts. Watch this. Versus. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I am out of here. <laughs> this is not my gift. I'm not dying for that thing. Wow. You guys catch? That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. This is how we can know testing and proving yeah. the perfect will of God for your life. Because a lot of us will, will step into something because we think it's like the sexy gift and we think it's the cool thing to do. But when you get tested with fire, yeah. if it's not your gift, you are not going to. I'm sorry. And this is how God's design works. Good word. The altar sanctifies the sacrifice. It doesn't work the other way around. The sacrifice will never sanctify the altar. If I lay my life down, my life will never sanctify the altar. But the altar will sanctify me as a sacrifice. So I lay my life in the altar. And I was thinking, I was talking to Chris Hurst this morning. We were talking about the sacrifice and the, the, you know, the altar and the, like laying our lives on the altar. And the Lord was showing me, she was sharing. Because we're doing, we've done communities solid for like three years. I mean, like multiple times a week, praying for each other, intercession. I'm contacting her. I'm like under in accountability, right, with people. And she's like someone that I highly value as a spiritual mother in the house. And so, and so she was talking to me about things that God's showing her. And the Lord showed me something so profound that just today. He said this. The Lord said, Chris Hurst shared something. And you understood everything she said. Everything she said you understood and you received in faith. And, and the Lord showed me that's a supernatural thing. 
that the world doesn't understand or know. Because there's so much confusion. When you can look a person in the eye and communicate something of depth and of worth and of value, and they understand what you're saying, and they get it from the heart, it's like, wow, wow. And then as she began to speak over me, I started to get my own revelation through her from the Lord. And the Lord's like, this is what the supernatural lifestyle looks like. The normal Christian life. Glory to glory to glory. Not alone, not in a silo, but in covenant, in community with other people. In the word of God and in the spirit of God. Your renewed mind is progressive. So it comes by knowing that he knows better than you do. This is hard for a lot of us. To say, I trust you. I trust that you know more than I know. A renewed mind comes in this first step. If I think I know better than God, my mind will never be renewed by him. He doesn't have access to do it. We have to trust him and say, you know better than I know what you want of my mind. That's the first step. The second is that what happens is it is acceptable to him. When he speaks the word over you through the word of God and through his spirit, it's acceptable to him. What he says to you is acceptable to him. So it's going to look, it actually can look brand new to you. Like you've never heard something before that he's speaking over you. You're like, I've never considered making dinner for my parents before. And blessing them. There, there are moments when God's spoken to me where I never had one time in my life considered what he spoke over me. I just was like, I'm a Christian, right? That's, now that's, that's the first step. But then he starts speaking to you. And then I start trusting that God would know in this example that making dinner for my parents is a good thing. So, so I'm going to trust him that he knows best. And then I'm going to step out and know that it's acceptable to him. He's going to receive it. It's a good thing. And the third thing is it's perfect. It's perfect. It'll accomplish its perfect task. So think about this for, for a moment. I use the example of hospitality making food. The gift of hospitality to be a, a blessing. But there are many gifts There are many gifts, and we'll talk about them in just a second. Verse 3 says, uh, verse 3, if you go there, verse 3, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. In other words, I don't care how good you make food. I don't care how good you are in the kitchen. I don't care how good your fettuccine Alfredo is, right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Listen, okay, this is really interesting. So he's releasing the faith required for the gift that he's given you. He's going to give you the faith to accomplish the calling or the gift that he's placed on your life. And the Holy Spirit will sober you up completely to catch this. It is sobering when God speaks to me to go make dinner for my parents, which that would be like a miracle. 
right? Like if that was, that, I mean, that would be a miracle for me because my gift is more apostolic. I mean, I do hospitality stuff, but I can, str- I'm just going to be honest, okay? I'm going to be open and honest. I can struggle with that gift. I struggle personally doing that. I just always have. Why? Because my spiritual gift, it isn't so much hospitality. When I do it, it take, it, there's some friction. When I, I got to like, where Tom is like, dude, let's make coffee. And we're going to get all these things going. And this is easy and fun for me. I'm like, bro, like, I don't, like, dude, I don't have that gift. So like, I just, yeah. like, as much as I want to be that person, my gift is more like, I'm like, like, creating environments. That like like I am I'm thinking it's just how I'm wired right we're all wired different right. so if something is hard for you this is a key if something's challenging for you it's okay to try out different things and as you try things out like hospitality or you, you teach a class and if people leave they're like dude we don't know what you just said we have no grip of what happened just now right you and that's okay but everyone has been given a gift. So discovering the gift in the grace of God in the community is how we're going to figure this thing out. He's distributed faith to each of you, um, and, and this is a part of it. So we're going, to, we're going to figure this out because God wants us to catch this. Okay, the next verse says this. For just as each of us has one body, say one body, one with many members, fingers and toes, these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There's revelation on this verse for every person in here. Because if you, I mean, and you know, if words, words drop, I can't, it's like I can't even communicate the value of what happened right here. When I started to catch this in the spirit, where God's like, Jesse, do you think you're a toe? You know, like what, like we, we want to say that we're the head, but Christ says, no, 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 I'm the head. You don't get to be the head. So he's the head. And then we then fall below him. He is the authority structure in place. So I think that a lot of, a lot of us struggle with faith and it could be, I'm just going to, going to present this part of why maybe we struggle with faith is because we're in places that require too much faith for the lane that we're in. It might not be where you're supposed to be. You might be in a place where God's like saying you're in a lane that requires faith that you'll come into in 10 years. But you put yourself in a lane that you shouldn't have jumped into yet. It requires more faith than I have access to. <clears throat> more grace than God's like flowing to, to get the task done. Who's experienced that before? It's not my call. Or it, may, it could be your call down the road even. Yeah. But not yet. Like God's like allowing us in his grace, in his timing, he's allowing us to run in the right, in the right. The word lane's a hard word to use. I think that there's, you know, just the picture that God wants us to find our place. And as we stay in that place, he says, do not look down on small beginnings. He wants all of us to know that there's a way that this thing works. And the word gift in, the, in verse, what is that, verse 6, it says we have different gifts. The word gifts in the Greek is the word charismata. Gifts is the word charismata in the Greek. So that word is how we get the word charismatic. That's where that word comes from, gifts. And then the word charis, 
C-H-A-R-I-S is the word grace. So charismata is grace. It's almost like flowing grace. Grace gifts. Charismata is the gifts. That's the word gifts in Greek. Charis is the word grace. So everything is by his grace. So the gifts of God come by his grace. So it says we have different gifts. Charismata. You can kind of break that down even of like different... Le- different levels of God's grace according to the task, maybe you can kind of interpret that, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift, if the grace that God's given you is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Your faith, though. So if I don't feel like I can prophesy yet because I don't have the faith to, to do that, then get around someone that does. And learn and experience that with them and, and test it with them in a safe place. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Or if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's foolish to seek out the gifts. We can seek out the gifts because we want a position. But man doesn't position God positions. If when man positions and the anointing of God isn't flowing, it's a train wreck. We need the anointing of God on the person. I believe that the anointing is the alignment between the faith, the grace, and the call. It all lines up into a perfect flow. God created me for this. I'm in my lane. I was born to dream, baby. I'm a dreamer. When you put me in like a, like a, like a, like, you know, this environment where dreams can happen, I come alive. People might be stressed out. And they're like, what are we going to do here? There's no plan. I'm like, oh, dear God, here we go. <laughs> I'm in heaven right now. Why? Because there's a gift that God's put on my life that's been tested for over a decade, close to 20 years now. That God's been teaching me, go into the environments where it feels bleak and where there's nothing. And you just start preaching the gospel well, in that yeah. environment. That's my gift. I would never ask someone else to do that. Unless that was their gift. Right? So, so here we go. So there's this thing that God's showing us. We're not seeking gifts on our own, but we're seeking our place in the body of Christ where the gift can be found and developed and encouraged and built up and flow. Until we understand this grid, we're all just ships passing in the night. We're just like, everyone's like, oh, a quick Sunday, and then we're out. But we understand that we actually cannot even discover our giftings unless we have each other in the room. Yeah. In a place of faith and grace, understanding of the word, of the spirit. And then the different gifts. There are different giftings that complement each other even. So then you get a, you get a, a pathfinder and you get a, a shepherd in the same room. And then all of a sudden, then you get like the evangelist flown in there. It's like, dude, watch out, Satan. Like, the church is coming to town, baby. Like, this thing's going down. Right? So, so I'm not trying to self-appoint myself as, like, I, you know, as an apostle. You guys appoint me. Right? Or a teacher or a prophet or anything. We are only appointed from the body of Christ that, that appoints, releases, and anoints and calls it out. Part of the problem is when we, we start to self-appoint... And it, that's actually not our gift, and so things don't work. Is this okay? Yeah. How are we doing here? This is interesting, right? This is a very, very powerful, powerful, powerful grid that God's catching. He's speaking out right now. 
There's an order to everything in the Lord. Every person is a part of the bride. And I believe that you have different churches in the county carrying different anointings. I believe you have different ministry hubs around the world carrying different anointings. And I don't have to do what another place is doing because it's already being done. And I get to receive from those people. And I will bring those people into this house to release that over us. And so I'm not trying to be anybody else. When you understand this, there is no longer any competition in life anywhere. You're not, there's no competition because you are doing exactly what you were called to do. And there is no one on earth like you. And only you can accomplish the task that God birthed you into this generation to do. No one else can do it but you. When we catch that, you're like, I am positioned to release the kingdom of heaven alongside the bride and impact the world in a way that wouldn't have been impacted without my participation. Wow. So this is a grid, okay? And there's a lot more that we'll share as we go. There is a powerful teaching coming. I, I, I just wanted to release it today, but God said, not yet. I cannot wait. This had to happen first. We have to have a grid for how this thing works. When we get the grid and, and through the word, then we start to see there's alignment for the assignment. I love Jens. Remember Jens? He would always say that. There's, a, there's an alignment that God's doing, bringing us into our flow. And he's speaking life. So, wow, I've said enough. I'm done. Let's do, let's do this. Stand to our feet right now. Thank you, Father. We're going to do a little activation right now because I believe that until we've laid our lives on the altar, we've sacrificed our life on the altar. Look, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It goes, it's Jesus. It was Peter. Uh, uh, did you know that the word witness means the word martyr? Did you know that in the Greek? Yes. I didn't know this. Witness, witness is the word martyr. And I, and I was, I was sitting with this because I'm like, wait, why is the word witness this in the, the Greek word is martyr, martyr with an O-U at the end, martyr-O. I was like, why is that Lord? And, and, and he said to me, because you are not a witness. We, we use the word witness. Like I'm going to go witnessing on the streets, but God says, you're not a witness unless you witness the father doing something. <laughs> and when you see him do something, you testify so we witness him moving, and then we testify. And the disciples witnessed Jesus do, do something, and they testified. Yeah. And they witnessed, and they testified. Yeah. And they witnessed, and they testified. Yeah. And we will be witnesses, and we will testify that the Lord Jesus is moving in power in our generation. And no thing, no horde from hell, nothing will stop the reign of the king on this earth as long as we are alive. And we are witnessing the Father move daily. So I pray that we would witness the Father. We would witness the Son. We would witness the Holy Spirit moving. Because if we're not witnesses, then we cannot testify to that which we didn't witness. So all this is right now is to get you to calibrate your eyes to the Father. And then when you leave this room, practice this. You're, the activation is that I'm going to lay my life down right now. I'm going to test this thing. My heart is wrestling with, do I really want to go all in for Jesus? Do I really want to lay my life? I kind of like this part of my life, and I don't know if I want to lay it down. Because God's already spoken to me that if I lay my life down, then this thing has to go. And I don't know if I want to let this thing go yet. I'm, I thought that was a word for somebody in the room. And God says... You are, you are holding yourself back. 
from the fullness of God. When you lay yourself on the altar, this is the place. This is true and proper worship. It is like the incense that rises up to the Father. And when he smells the incense of a pure offering, because another son or daughter laid their life down, it pleases the Father. And he then releases his spirit in greater measure over your life. You're open to receive by faith the word of the Lord over your life. And this is where the faith to believe his word, where your mind gets renewed. And this is what sanctification is all about. It is a lifelong journey. You were saved, your spirit was saved, your soul, your mind is being renewed, being sanctified, and your body will be saved one day in heaven. Fully sozoed, fully. On earth, God will sozo people's bodies, heal bodies as a sign that Jesus Christ is king. But your ultimate healing will come. So I feel like the the, the activation today is if you're in the room and you want to make a declaration with your life and say, I want my life to be laid down on that altar today so that I can test and approve and find the perfect will of God for my life and for my family and for the, for the legacy that God's called me to release. I want you to just put your hand up. There is no pressure on this. Wrestle with this question. It's a very real question. But between you and the Father, if you, if you feel like God's speaking to you into your heart right now to lay your life down on the altar fully, just put your hands up. Lay your life down to find your life, Jesus says. But I want to make the the, the very clear statement that it was a living sacrifice that he was after, not a dead one. He's looking for a living sacrifice. Jesus died as a sacrifice so that we don't have to. We can become living sacrifices. We can live fully for Jesus and encounter God's perfect will. His perfect, perfect will. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, as witnesses, we stand before your presence, God. Just begin to sing out to him. Just begin to pray right now in the spirit. Father, right now we lay our lives down as a living sacrifice. We lay our lives down as a living sacrifice right now, Father. We receive you, Jesus, fully. We want to be a love offering to you, to the throne. We want you to smell the incense rising from this place of worship, God. There are no idols here, God. There are no things here. There's nothing here, God. We are standing before your presence. And we are saying, God, would you, would you use my life the way that you use the Apostle Paul? Would you use my life the way you use David Livingston to pioneer Africa? Would you use my life the way you use D.L. Moody's life? Would you use my life? Would you use my life, God? Alongside the great cloud of witnesses in heaven, would you use my life, God? 
Today I lay it down. Fill me with the Holy Spirit today to accomplish the task to stay in that place of perfect peace, perfect peace. Where my gift is flowing and blessing and not frustrating, not confusing people. Calibrate us today so we can go to that next place, Jesus, that you're calling us into. We need each other. We need each other, God. We will not do it alone in a silo. We're going to do it together out of humility and honor. If the prayer team wants to come forward right now, I'd love for them to stand here. If you have any prayer requests whatsoever, anything going through your heart and your mind, as God's activating this revelation of being a living sacrifice, which is connected to the gifts, it's connected to everything. We want to invite you to come up and get prayer and just receive more of what God wants to release. He loves you. Your time is so valuable to him. He doesn't want you to waste a second on this earth. He wants you to do exactly what you were created to do. And today we are declaring that any confusion over your life is canceled. Any blockage over your ministry is done and canceled in Jesus' name. And I just speak reconciliation over anything causing the block over anyone in here to be reconciled by his love and by his blood and by his sacrifice today. But we want to pray. You come up to the front if you want prayer. And uh, maybe Isaiah, if you want to come up to your brother and maybe play just a bit. And then this will be a house of prayer for a few minutes while we just step into this season and this time. We love you guys here.